good morning, you guys. I'd like you to open your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 37. We're going to be reading verses 3 through 13. It's a bit lengthy, but this is the story of Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat, so kind of entertaining. <laughs> so as you're turning there, this morning my daughter came up to me in the back and she said, Mom, can I pray for you? And I was like, oh, yes. She prayed for She said, Mom, I pray that you preach as beautifully as you sing. So y'all better hope she likes my voice, because we'll see here. Amen? Okay. So chapter 37, starting in verse 3, it says, Now Israel, speaking of Jacob, loved Joseph more than his other sons, because Joseph was a son born to him in his old age. And he made a robe of many colors for him. When his brothers saw that his father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not bring themselves to speak peaceably to him. Then Joseph had a dream. When he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. They, he said to them, listen to this dream I had. There we were, binding sheaves of grain in the field. Suddenly my sheaves stood up, and your sheaves gathered around and bowed down to my sheaf. Are you really going to reign over us, his brothers asked him? Are you really going to rule us? So they hated him even more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream and told it to his brothers. Look, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun, moon, and 11 stars were bowing down to me. He told his father and brothers, and his father rebuked him. What kind of dream is this that you've had? He said, am I and your mother and your brothers really going to come and bow down on the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. His, brother had gone to pasture their his brothers had gone to pasture their father's flocks at Shechem. Israel said to Joseph, your brothers, you know, are pasturing the flocks at Shechem. Get ready. I'm sending you to them. I'm ready, Joseph replied. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm ready. ready. Father God, I thank you for this morning, and I thank you for my awesome church family. I thank you for the love that fills this room, Lord God, for each other. And I just thank you for the beautiful expression of you in your masterpiece that is represented here, Lord God. And I just pray that you would draw attention to our assignments that you've given us, that you would draw attention to your faithful presence in our lives, Lord God, from beginning to end. And I pray that you would just encourage your people this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So as Jonathan said, I volunteer as the director of women's ministry here at New Life Midtown. My husband, Seth, and I have also served as table group leaders for seasons, um, and my husband serves on the worship team. Um, you might see my daughters and I over in childcare every once in a while, but I don't only love churchy duties. I love the church so much, and I believe that God is doing good things and awesome things in the church, and I believe that even though the church maybe um, looked down upon lately or disregarded by the world more and more, I feel that God is setting us up for something really amazing. We see this all throughout the Bible, and that's kind of what I want to talk about this morning. But I need to know, does anybody here really love Jesus? Okay. Does anybody here really believe that he is reigning over everything and worthy of everything? Because if you don't, I just got to warn you, this isn't a mushy story, okay, or mushy message this morning. Um, as I mentioned, my daughters and I are sometimes over in childcare. I have five daughters. My youngest turned six this summer and will be entering first grade, and for our school system, this means she goes full day. Um, before that, she was half day. Last month, I graduated with my bachelor's degree. It, oh, it, only, it only took me two decades, so thank you. Um, so I'm kind of finding myself transitioning to this new season 
Um, I thought about going back to work, but it feels really daunting. If any of you are stay-at-home moms, after 10 years at home, a lot of my most valuable experiences don't really look like work experience on a resume. Um, So I've been thinking about that and just really asking the Lord, what is this season supposed to look like? And coming back to things that I feel like the Lord has spoken over over me and just seeing how the world lines up or how it looks contrary and trying to interpret Um, and feel confident and like I have the authority he gives not knowing what this next season is going to look like. And that's kind of what I want to speak into this morning. The title of my message is Ready, Set, Go, Walking in Authority and Uncertainty. So I was born and raised by two Pentecostal preachers, a mom and a dad, but, um, and they lived a very radical lifestyle of ministry. I could tell you stories, buy me coffee and I will, um, So when I think of this word authority that I have in my title, I think about trampling snakes and scorpions. I'm thinking casting out demons and healing the sick and boldly proclaiming the gospel to those who don't know him. But as I was praying, I felt like the Lord was highlighting this other type of authority that we carry as believers. And this is the authority that we carry over ourselves. So the other kind, I say, yes, more Lord. We want to see it. We want to see your kingdom come in those ways. But I feel like this type of authority over ourselves can be a precursor or at least needs to come alongside of that for us to walk without hurting people and hurting ourselves. Um, So um, I felt like the Holy Spirit was highlighting that. So I believe that we can see these types of authority in operation in Joseph's life. So my point number one is that Joseph was ready. The scripture says in verse four that his brothers couldn't even bring themselves to speak peaceably to him. And I don't know if you have kids or you remember when you were a kid, but when I say to my kids, hey guys, let's go get ready and go somewhere. There are at least a dozen things that those kids have to do before we get out the door. But we read here that Joseph, or as soon as Jacob said, hey, go get ready. Joseph said, I'm ready. He was ready to go. And I believe that the reason this is, is because Joseph Joseph knew that what God had spoken over, he knew what God had spoken over to his life. He knew the dreams that God had given him and he was ready, even if it meant facing those brothers. And this obedience was foundational to his authority. God gave him this prophetic dream. He knew that God had called him to this incredible authority in the natural, but he had to learn that it starts with establishing God's authority within himself. It all starts with submission. Um, If God is who he says he is, um, he's going to be Lord over the nations and the church, but he cares about us individually in our hearts um, along the way. So out of God's love for us, he tends to deal with our need to submit our humanity while we are on our way to our destiny. I think about Jesus. Jesus in the Bible, in the Gospels, we read how he got baptized by John the Baptist. And as soon as he's baptized, the Lord splits the heavens and says, this is my son in who I am well pleased. And right after this miraculous event, what does Jesus do? He chooses to go to the wilderness and spend 40 days fasting, dealing with his humanity. He knew it had to be submitted and under check, right? So the enemy comes to him, and I feel like something I wanted to say was just our humanity wants to find authority in the world's idea of our security and esteem and power, but God wants to cleanse those lenses, and he wants us to find our authority in what he has provided. Jesus entered the wilderness, and the enemy um, tempts him with this stone and says, you can make your own security. And Jesus says, no, I'm submitting that to the Lord. 
he takes him and tells him, jump off this temple and let the angels carry you down for all of the people there to see. And Jesus says, no, I don't need the world's esteem. I need the Father's favor. The enemy says, come on, I'll give you the everything for just a little bit of devil worship. Just have the, you can have all this power. And Jesus says, no, my power comes from the Lord and what he speaks over me. Amen. Jesus knew he wasn't called to create the authority. He wasn't called to submit to the world's idea or the enemy's idea of authority, but to what the Father had spoken over him. But we can't walk in the authority if we're not willing to face life as it is. Just as Joseph had to face his brothers, we know that God's work is in the challenges that life brings. Some of us want breakthrough at home, but we do whatever we can to try to avoid being at home around the tension or around those family members that make life so hard. But God wants to bring healing there, and that requires us facing it. Amen? Some of us want freedom from anger that's rooted in our hearts, but we're not willing to sit in the disappointments and discouragements that we faced in the past. Some of us want to go into our room, but we're not willing to face the piles of laundry that are sitting all over that need to be folded. Amen? But it has to be done. Uh, Natalie Runyon, the women's ministry pastor at New Life North, says, Stop blaming the enemy for stealing kingdom territory that's been abandoned. I'm going to say that again. She says, stop blaming the enemy for stealing kingdom territory that has been abandoned. God's calling us to these spaces. These are the spaces where he is at work, where he wants to bring restoration, where he wants to bring life and healing and use you to do it. Amen? We can do what Joseph did and trust God's plan in the middle of the mess of our story, or we can choose to see through the pain of past experiences as his brothers did. It doesn't mean we ignore the reality of our pain or the wrongs that are done to us, but in those moments, we're called to trust God even more. When life is great, we don't need trust. It's not required, right? But in these hard places, that's when we're required to bring our trust even in an even greater message. And remember, or in an even greater measure, you guys said God is overall, right? So we know you believe it. We know that Joseph trusted God after hearing stories of his grandpa Abraham and the ways God showed up in his life. We know that he trusted God because of the stories of his father, Jacob, and his grandfather, Israel. Or no, he was Israel. Um, and Joseph's brothers became offended because they couldn't believe that the blessings that God had spoken over Joseph were for their favor too, right? God saved them through the wisdom that Joseph used in providing during the famine. And not only that, him saving Egypt and Israel and his household, he also, along that whole journey, his brother's hearts maybe were restored and were brought back to their brother and healed, and they, repent, we were, they were repentant. Um, so we need to remember that when your brothers and sisters, like if you're at work and someone else receives promotion, you can trust God that he is good and he is faithful and he is with you and present. Um, when you see someone else promoted, you, you can trust the Lord. Um, I love what it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 39 and verse 40. I'm going to read it in the message because I love the way it puts it. It says, Not one of these people, even though their lives of faith were exemplary, got their hands on what was promised. God had a better plan for us, that their faith and our faith would come together to make one completed whole. Their lives of faith not complete apart from ours. Guys, the blessing is shared. You might even say, my hot life is a hot mess right now. Your mess might be setting someone else up for ministering to you and pulling them out of their gifts, right? 
um, and God's not done. I love, like every movie you see, the greater the peril, the greater the drama, the better the ending, right? <laughs> so let's hope for that. <laughs> uh, so yes, yeah, submitting God to God costs us all of our control, which we never really had anyway, but it gives us an authority that partners with a loving, present Father who wants to make himself known in and through our lives. Amen. So number one, Joseph was ready by submitting to God. Two, Joseph was set in his identity. So we know next in the story, Joseph goes to see his brothers. They throw him in a pit. Instead of killing him, thanks to Reuben, and because of that, we named a really great sandwich after him. (laughs) Okay, maybe not. That might not be why. Um, And then the Midianites came, and they chose to sell him to the Midianites instead. And he becomes a slave for Potiphar. So he goes from favored son to slave. Talk about types and shadows, right? Um, So we can read in Genesis chapter 39, verses 3 and 4. This is when he's at Potiphar's house. It says, when his master, speaking of Potiphar, saw that the Lord was with Joseph and that the Lord made everything he did successful, Joseph found favor with his master and became his personal attendant. Potiphar also put him in charge of his household and placed all that he owned under his authority. So even Potiphar could see the favor and the life that was on Joseph's life. He knew that um, the Lord was with him, as it says, and Joseph knew that he was carrying the dream of God. He knew that he'd been called to rule under God's authority, but he wasn't waiting for some ideal situation to start stepping out in what God had called him to, right? Um, He's seduced by Potiphar's wife, and he resists that temptation for esteem, as we heard with Jesus. Um, Sometimes we find ourselves, if you ever find yourself having trouble making great choices, I would encourage you to renew your mind and who God is and what he says about you are to fight those times when our esteem wants to come in and take over. Um, We have to believe that we have eternal purpose and value if we're going to live with eternal purpose and value. So we say, number one, Joseph was ready. Number two, he was set in his identity in Christ or in God. No Christ yet, but he knew who he was coming. And number three, he was ready. He knew when to go. So if we read in Genesis chapter 41, verses 14 through 16, it says, when Pharaoh sent for Joseph and they quickly brought him from the dungeon, Oh, then Pharaoh sent for Joseph. He had heard that Joseph had this gift of interpreting dreams, and Pharaoh was plagued with this dream. And they quickly brought him from the dungeon. He shaved, changed his clothes, and went to Pharaoh. I'm just picturing a movie montage there. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and no one can interpret it, but I have heard it said about you that you can hear a dream and interpret it. I am not able to, Joseph answered Pharaoh. It is God it is God who will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. And I love that Joseph is ready to give God the glory. He knows that he's not there for his time and glory and the bowing down to him. He's there for God's glory and God's honor and to have him known and shown to the people. Amen? Um, so he interprets the dream and he says, seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. This is what's coming to Israel. Um, and then Oh, so boldly, we read in verses 33 and 34. 
Now, let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this. Let him appoint overseers over the land and take a fifth of the harvest of the land of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. And he goes on to outline exactly what he can do. Joseph's been walking in his administrative gift all the way from the time he was a slave up until this point. But he recognized, hey, this is an opportunity. The Lord is, there's a need here that my gifting can fill. And this is who God has called me to be. So he quickly jumps in and says, hey, this is what you can do. And I love it. He knew that he had the power to bless the empire. And I want you to know this morning that you carry the power to bless the world and the spheres around you that God has called you to. Simply by being his, submitting to him, and knowing who you are in him, and being present in that place that you are now. Sometimes walking in authority means that we step out when we see holes that our giftings can fill. Joseph didn't only do this for Pharaoh. As I mentioned, he'd been using these giftings with Potiphar and in the prison. I didn't read that part, but it's good. Read it. It's great. He wasn't waiting for perfect circumstances to step out in authority Um, but he chose to serve where he was placed. Some of us may feel like we're called to start a business. You've got a great idea. And I say, yes, Lord, I love entrepreneurs. My husband and I love that. Um, But sometimes we're called to work for the man for a while, right? And we're able to take that time to not only bring blessing to that business, but to learn from the strengths and the weaknesses and where we are. And God is going to use it to prepare you for what he has next. Amen. Some of us feel called to teach. I felt like God put this on my heart years ago. And so we led a table group and I Many in here can attest that I love to share what I think about the things that Pastor Jade preaches on. There's opportunities in children's ministry, blogging, heck, Facebook. Anybody can share what they want. You can friend me. I'll read what the Lord is teaching you or whatever you've been taught about things. Um, Some may feel called to foster and adopt, and maybe the Lord hasn't freed this season for you, but you're welcome to come around another family who's fostering and adopting and Bring them a meal or childcare. Let me know. They need it. Let me tell you. (laughs) We need to find the gaps that we can fill, and they are there. Um, This isn't in my notes, but I've said in the past, if you're looking for a spotlight, you're going to live a life of striving. But if you're looking for an opportunity to shine, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. So in closing, we see that Joseph was ready. He was ready um, in his, by being submitted to God. We all have the authority to submit to God. And he was set in his identity as the father's child and as one who is called by the dream giver to walk and work for him. And he was ready to go and to fulfill that responsibility he had when the opportunities arose. Guys, in the same way that our salvation has come and is coming and will come, our authority has been given to us And it is being given to us as we walk in it, and it will be given to us more. I believe that as we walk in authority and in who God has called us, he gives us the wonderful gift of more work and more responsibility and more authority. Amen? So the world can go as crazy as it wants to, and we as the church can be present and faithful to do these things. Amen. We can walk and position our hearts where God has it and trust him because we trust him to do his work. I was, as I was preparing, I thought of the story of Perpetua. Maybe some of you have heard of her. She was a woman around the turn of the third century. 
Um, she had a slave named Felicity, and they were both converted to Christianity in Carthage during a time of extreme persecution. Um, and she knew by becoming a convert that her life could be taken. And when she was baptized, God actually gave her a vision and showed her that she would be martyred for Christ. So it's not always like Joseph. Like, I wish I could stand up here and say, God has great things for you. You're called to be a winner. And it's true, but it doesn't look like the world. It looks to the world, right? It looks different because we believe in something much bigger. So Perpetua was ready by submitting to God. When she could have said, nope, I denounce him and been set free and been in her nice little plush house um, as a well-to-do woman, but she didn't. She chose to submit her will to the Lord, seeing eternity. She chose to be set in who God said that she was, and she also chose to go when her time came, to go um, and be martyred for Christ. So I can't promise you Nobody can stand up here and promise you wealth and cars and B&Ws and promotions and all of this stuff. And I, those things are awesome, and God does do that, right? There's principles in the Bible that are for our benefit and can lead us to those places. But um, what we can be promised is eternal glory. And we can be promised that we have an opportunity on this earth to bring glory to the one to whom it is due. Amen? God takes ter the terrible things of this world and makes something good from them. He's just that good. Look at Jesus. He walked a life of um, obscurity, kind of, and to a cross, persecution, and all of these things. And I don't know, nothing else, nothing better than that has happened, right? Um, he definitely used it for our good. So um, we have authority. We're empowered to make the decision to trust the Father, and we still have the authority to position ourselves in submission to him and his ways, and we still have authority to walk in what he has called us to do. Amen? I mentioned at the beginning that I love the local church, and I love my church a lot, um, and I just feel like this is something that we can carry as we walk in as the church and as we walk out of this church into who knows what, Right? We can always walk in the authority that God gives. Amen. So as Jonathan, he's going to come in just a second and lead us to the table. And as he does, I just want us to remember the love that God has shown us as he chose to submit to the Father. And he chose to become obedient even to death, death on a cross, so that at his name, every knee would bow and every tongue would confess to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. Father God, I just thank you for my church family. I thank you for my friends in this room, for my future friends in this room, Lord God. And I just pray this morning that you would give us the grace to walk in who you've called us to be and that you would give us the grace to trust you and to submit to you, Lord God, when we don't see and we don't know what you're doing in our story, Lord God. We choose to trust you and what you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Sarah. Wow. Sarah said a lot in a little amount of time. We, we've got some time. Don't worry, I'm not going to preach. Um, but, but I want to ask some questions based off of what Sarah just said. I want to ask some, some provocative questions uh, for, for our hearts and what maybe the Lord is doing. Sarah said Joseph was ready. Here's my question. Are you ready? Are you avoiding the things and the places in your life that need healing? 
Sarah said, we must be willing to face the things that need the healing, need healing the most in our lives. And we all know that it is much easier to avoid. If it's relational, it's easy to just avoid a group or a kind or a particular person altogether. It's easy to avoid. If it's a place, it's easy to just go around the place. If it's a situation like the Levite in the story of the Good Samaritan, it's easy to justify using the law, just avoiding and going a different direction. But can we take just a moment and allow the Spirit to do some introspective work? Are there things in our lives, big or small, that the Lord wants to touch? That we are consciously or subconsciously avoiding? just take 15 seconds and just allow the spirit to move. The second point, Joseph was set in his identity. Another question for us to ponder. Do we easily forget who we are and whose we are? Do we get lost in all that we cannot do and in all the ways that we fall short? I'm I'm certain there is someone in this space this morning who feels that way. And as we come to the table in just a moment, we're going to be reminded who we are and whose we are. But if if that is you, then the Spirit wants to touch that. He wants to remind you a thousand times over and over and over again because sometimes that's what it takes. You are a beloved son, a beloved daughter of Christ, our King. And third, Joseph knew when to go. This is the one, I think, for many in this space. Are you hesitant to go when you sense the Lord nudging you. When you find needs that you are able to fill, do you find yourself justifying a thousand reasons why someone else should be the one to step out? If so, once again, the Lord wants to touch that space today. As we prepare our hearts to come forward, I I want us to get in the habit, and so does Pastor Jade, of reading this prayer of confession as we come to the table. So I'm going to read the prayer of confession once again. Most merciful God, we confess we have sinned against you in thought, in word, and in deed. By what we have done, by what we have left undone. There we go. But we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. As our communion attendants are coming forward, would you stand with me this morning? And I pronounce that the Lord Almighty, 
has mercy and grace for each and every one of us, for each and everything that we have done and left undone. This is the table of the Lord. I said last week, it's a good thing that neither you nor I curate the guest list. This is not the table of New Life Midtown. This is the table of the Lord. And Jesus invites us all as sinners to come and to eat and meet with him, of him, for the sake of our nourishment. So come to the table of the Lord. You can exit out the left side of your row, come and receive the body and the blood, and then we will go return to our seats and partake together. So come now to the table of the Lord. like to take just a moment and remind us why we do this. First, because Jesus nudged us to. And because Jesus has given this to us as a gift. This is not an obligation. This is only a dry, dead liturgy if you let it be. But I believe that the Spirit is present revealing Jesus to us and making Jesus present to us in a unique way way. 
So Lord, open our hearts and Holy Spirit, do your work. Come and make these elements more than just elements. However you do that, we receive these as nourishment this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Church, break and eat the body of Christ broken for you. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do, do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us receive the blood of Christ shed for the remission of sins. Amen. Thanks be to God for these good gifts. Before we sing the doxology, two brief comments. One, our communion attendants will remain in position. And at the end of service, they have prayed up and been preparing to pray with you for anything that you need, seemingly large or small. So come find a a set, a pair of communion attendants, and they would love to pray with you and lay hands on you. Also, as soon as we are done, I'm going to ask Charlie and Valerie to come right here between Jen and Kevin and those friends and family who would like to pray them out as they leave for Israel. um, Please come up and let's lay hands on them as well. Let's sing the doxology together as we are reminded that every good and perfect gift comes from our Father above. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Amen. Well, thank you, Sarah, for the word today. Thank you for being with us as New Life Midtown today. Now go in the peace of our Lord, empowered and filled by the power of his spirit. Amen.